Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Mike Gormley, and we are again marching down our pilgrimage to the Our Lady of the Angels Chapel. I'm super excited about this one because our very own in-house staff journalist, Jay Martin, yeah, that's what I called you, he discovered a funny factoid at the end of today's saint, which is St. Anthony of the Desert, the father of all monks. When he was dying, he told the monks that kind of followed him, bury my body in secret. I don't want anyone to know my location of the grave because I don't want my body to become venerated. So join us as we venerate a chunk of his body in the Our Lady of the Angels reliquary coming soon to a chapel near you. And literally, right, it's going to be right over there. It's going to be awesome. So now his story. St. Anthony was raised in a very, 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 very wealthy family. So all y'all rolling in cash money, this is your guy, sort of, because his parents die when he's 20 and he gives it all away. He walks into church one day. He was a Christian, walks into church one day. The gospel reading that he had heard many times in his life before, go, if you will be perfect, right? Jesus saying to the rich young man, go sell all you have and give to the poor and come follow me. So he does it. He goes home and the whole, uh, they had acres and acres, hundreds of acres, which is kind of unheard of in those days. Uh, in Egypt, in great farmland, he gave some to his neighbors that bordered the property. He sold the rest, took all that cash money, and immediately gave it to the poor of Egypt. There are some men who uh, and women who love God the way God deserves to be loved, which is a saying from my buddy Dave Van Vickel about St. Francis of Assisi. It 100% applies to the father of all monks, St. Anthony of the desert. St. Anthony wanted to love God with a pure and undivided heart. So what did that cause him to do? Not only embrace poverty and fugo mundi, fleeing the world, but he goes into the desert to, as St. Paul would say, drive my body and pummel it, least having others win the race, I myself might lose the prize. So he dedicates his entire life to becoming holy, uprooting sin and vice from his heart. Now you can only imagine the struggles of a man who was already a really good dude going in, uh, living in ancient Egypt, living in a desert for 10, 15 years at a time. What, what, what is he fighting? What is he going through? What is he uprooting? Well, you know this because the great Saint Athanasius wrote the biography on St. Anthony of the Desert. This is why St. Anthony is known to us to this day. Many men lived a hermetical life or a monk-like life. He wasn't the first monk. He wasn't the first hermit. But the way he did it changed everything. So Athanasius captured the story of St. Anthony's life. And it's kind of awesome when a biographer is also a canonized saint. I love it. I've read the story. It's very short. Everyone should get the St. Anthony of the Desert book written by St. Athanasius. But he tells his story of this man who is going into essentially a, a very tiny room with four walls. Uh, basically, he walled himself off to do penances and extreme spiritual exercises. Eventually, the devil took sight of this man in the desert and began to savagely attack this young man. Now, I don't know about Jay. Jay, you're still in your 20s, right? I hate you. Uh, <laughs> people in their 20s might feel the same thing, but for him, it was an acute satanic temptation of boredom, laziness, and even phantoms. He would have phantom images of beautiful women walking by his cell, distracting him from his spiritual exercises and from fasting and prayers. But he came up with a rhythm, and the rhythm was essentially this. 
if I can quell the bodily passions, desires, the noise my weakened flesh screams out for attention and gratification, if I can quell that, I am opening space for my spiritual life to thrive. Where the body gets weakened, the soul can grow in strength. And so this becomes a spiritual principle by which he begins to live his life. But this is why he's the father of all monks. Men begin to come to him in the desert saying, we want to live the same life you live. And so he created a rule of life. I cannot tell you enough. I can't overemphasize it. This is supremely important. You need a rule for your life. It doesn't mean you're a professed religious. You're not living poverty, chastity, and obedience. But every Roman Catholic, every Christian should live sub rula, under a rule. That is so important for order in our life, for order, not chaos, to reign. Right, Because if you don't have a rule, you have absolute potentiality. But to be absolutely potential means to be nothing in actuality. So what we want to do, if we're going to create something, do something, move something forward, we need the constraints of a rule. And Anthony lived that to a T, to the point where the devil knew that what he was going to do was going to benefit Christendom in the most radical way imaginable. And so he began getting savage attacks, not just temptations, but they manifested in physical attacks. You can see this in a lot of artwork, one of the most famous being The Torment of St. Anthony by Michelangelo. But the demons are literally like carrying him away, just going after him. But here's the funny thing that St. Anthony noticed. Now, when you hear about the devil and Satan and dark powers, many of our modern minds are like, yeah, but it is a part, an article of faith for us as Catholics to understand that the angelic world, especially the fallen angels, do exist. And they do have powers. But the funny thing is, right, you take the idea that Satan refused to worship the incarnate God and said, I will not serve, right? So he became king of the damned. Why is this important for us to understand? He refused to worship the incarnate Christ. So if you think about this, God reveals the divine plan. Satan in his absolute freedom absolutely says no. There's no repentance. There's no coming back from that. But how is he talked about in sacred scripture? He's a beast. He's, the low, he, he's a slithering beast. On his belly shall he crawl and dirt shall he eat all the days of his life. The mark of the beast, 666, is considered to be the manifestation of satanic power on earth. But it's funny, this great angelic being who can't even stand humanity becomes a beast, right? And that's what happened at Saint An to St. Anthony. They disguised themselves in all sorts of horrible stuff, snakes and scorpions and wolves and all this stuff to come and attack him in the desert when he was alone. And he would laugh at them. He's like, listen, if you really were so powerful, if I really was under your authority, if you could do anything, basically in my modern parlance, why do you got to bring your whole crew? Why can't you just come alone and fight me? But they can't because they're powerless. He lived a life of extreme and austere penance. But it was penance that wasn't in hatred of the body, but to subsue, uh, subdue the body so that the spirit can prevail, right? So that rationality can flow through every inch of your existence. Eventually, Anthony would be called out of the desert twice. The emperor Diocletian in the 300s had the most fierce persecution of Christians. And God bless them, but our Coptic Egyptian brothers and sisters in Christ suffered brutally under the hands of Diocletian. So he would go to Alexandria, Egypt, and he would go there in hopes actually for himself to be martyred. He wanted to pay the ultimate price and bear the final and absolute witness, but it was it was denied him. The uh, governor at the time forbid him from entering the city 
and forbid him from making visitations to the prisoners, the Christian prisoners who are awaiting their trial and execution. And of course, he didn't. It just emboldened him even further. And this is a thing that we said about St. Francis of Assisi. In the eyes of the world, you become, oh, Christian, untouchable. You take your food, you fast, right? You threaten to take their life, we become a martyr. We become untouchable by the, by the fiercest and worst powers arrayed against us in this world. And Anthony eventually would bring healing and consolation to a lot of his uh, suffering and persecuted brethren. He would go back into the desert. This time from uh, he had a dilapidated Roman fort that he lived in. Well, now he's like, all these people keep coming to him for spiritual counsel. He goes deeper into the desert, into a place where there's just a, an oasis with a couple palm trees. And he just basically builds himself in, almost like entombs himself, builds the walls all around himself with a tiny little opening so people could bring him food. And there he lives for years and years, devoting himself for the next 20 years of his life entirely to prayer until the worst thing happened since Emperor Diocletian, which is, unfortunately, the rise of the Arian heresy, the first truly great global church-threatening heresy that would hit the church. Arius was a deacon in Egypt. He would teach people sea shanties by which to spread his heresy. And so the fishermen, all these people coming into port, they would hear the sailors while they're on the boats and while they're on the docks and while they're fishing and all this stuff, singing these songs that denied the divinity of Christ. It's a heresy that basically still endures to this day. And his heresy spread throughout the whole world. That St. Jerome studying in Bethlehem would say, I went to sleep and when I awoke, the whole world was Arian. Eventually, the councils of Nicaea and Constantinople were convened, wherein Arian heresy was condemned, and Anthony was invited to contribute, the father of all monks, in this great Christological debate, which is amazing. So after the Arian heresy and all the stuff, he goes into the desert. He's deep into the desert, back at the watering hole, which to this day, two monasteries that St. Anthony founded are still there, all the way from the early 300s, right? So he goes there and he spends the rest of his life. At the end of his life, like I said in the beginning, he begs his brothers, don't let them see where I'm buried because they're going to take my body and venerate it. Whoopsie. Sure enough, that's what they did. So what can we ordinary non-monkish uh, Catholics take from this man's life? Well, number one, you cannot advance in the Christian life without ascetical practices. Asceticism is just this practice of mortifying my body, killing the desires of the flesh. And what that means is you can interpret that in some weird ways. What we don't mean is hatred of the body. What we also don't mean is to despise the things of this earth just because they're of this earth. What it means is it is so easy for us sinners to constantly put between us and our, our goal of union with God forever the things and the busyness and the distractions of this earth. That is why so many men and so many women have devoted themselves to the monastic life because they realize if they don't get rid of all things, they won't have the one thing that matters most. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? I think many of us might make that Faustian bargain where we think, yeah, well, I have enough God in my life. I got God over here in column A. I got the world in column B. I got my family in column C, and I kind of move in between them. But Anthony recognized the fundamental truth. If Christ is not the center, then all else becomes the center. They become idols. But Christ alone helps you cast down your idols. Some of us need it a lot more extremely uh, than others. And I think all of us need it more extremely than what we honestly think we do. Our attachments run deep. And brothers and sisters, the life of St. Anthony of the Desert, of whom St. Anthony of Padua took the name, 
He took the name after this austere monk of the desert, the father of all monks. When Anthony became a friar in the Franciscan order, he took the name Anthony because he wanted that man's virtues to reverberate throughout his own life in the new world of a rising uh, Middle Ages, the golden Middle Ages of Europe. And he did. He lived a radical charity, a radical um, austerity and asceticism for Christ. But it's not. And I just want to end on this note, Jay. I just want to end on this note. You know it's real, you know it's powerful, and you know it's from God when the extremes that we do reverberate into healthy fruit for others, right? So there were plenty of monks, plenty of hermits, plenty of other people doing similar things. But Anthony created a rule. Anthony created spiritual disciplines. Anthony brought other people into his orbit. And even when he wanted to be left alone, he still painstakingly gave generously of his time and attention and his wisdom to form these people. That's what happens when the monks of Europe, Fugomundi, when they fled the world, right? When they fled the world, what did they do? They ended up building, leaving the Roman Empire behind. They would build the cities that almost all of Europe is built around, right? Because the monastery became the town, the village, and then it became the city. And almost every major German and Italian and European city is named after the monasteries that were built in the center. So this is the, the reality, brothers and sisters. We can't have God and the world at the same time. We have to get rid of the world, but we long for it so much that ascetical practices like fastings and penances and almsgiving, giving away your money, all coalesce to detach us from the gods of this world. See how many masters have they who will not have the one Lord. I'm inviting you, like Anthony of the Desert, to get rid of all your masters and have the one Lord, Jesus Christ, come what may, whatever the cost. So thank you all for listening. God bless you all as we continue our path to the Our Lady of the Angels Chapel and the beautiful reliquary that we're building. Make sure you're going onto the Verizon website, you're making your pledge, you're donating, because that is what's gonna enable our church to become one of the premier destinations for pilgrimage, right? It's not about flashiness, it's about piety, increasing the growth of veneration of saints, the knowledge of Christ's holiness in the world. We want men and women to hear these stories and become sanctified in the blood of the Lamb. We want Christ to be elevated and lifted high, and we do this through the way we live our lives. So go on Verizon, uh, Verizon, go on Verizon, Jay. So go on Horizon's website, donate today so that we can get this reliquary built, we can get the chapel built, it can be a place of beauty and respite in a world of chaos. May God bless you, and I'll see you next week.